now realize that that was all very fortuitous, but it always makes me nervous when a person says, you should do this because my career seems to change at any suggestion. Welcome to Beyond Speaking with Brian Lord. Fail trying rather than fail watching. Hey, it's Mikey from the Goonies. A podcast featuring deeper conversations with the world's top speakers. I'm Brian Lord. On the show today, we have leadership expert and coach Mike Staver as he shares the story behind building his upcoming app, writing his book on his motorcycle tour around America, and witnessing a gang fight at Sturgis. Last week, we talked with America's Got Talent star's Passing Zone, and this week we have a special interview with our very own Vice President Chelsea Johnson. Enjoy this interview with her longtime friend, speaker and author, Mike Staver. I think for a lot of leadership speakers, their background tends to be, you know, well, I ran this business and then that's how I got into this. But you kind of came about this in a bit of a different way, um, especially with your background in psychology. If you'll tell us a little bit about that. I have a, my undergrad's in business and I got out of school and started looking for a job and took some jobs and did okay. Um, ended up running a company and uh, I got married and I was a total jerk. Uh, in fact, if you look up jerk in the dictionary, there's a little pencil sketch of me back in those days, right there. It's got, it's beautiful. Uh, I used to be the jerk poster child. They used to fly balloons over stadiums and go, you look like this guy, you're a jerk. And one day my mom took me out to lunch and said, you got more problems than a math book, boy, and uh, you need some help. And I said, I don't know, because I was very successful in business. And uh, she said, um, <clears throat> I'll pay for therapy if you'll go. And I said, I'm not going to a therapist. I have no desire to go to a therapist. And she said, I'll pay for it. And I said, well, free is good. Yeah. So I went. And, uh, about, and he gave me a book called The Road Less Traveled by Scott Peck. And he said, you need to read this book. And I said, okay. And I just devoured it. I'd never read anything, nothing, personal development, all that, nothing. Took a few psych classes in college, but nothing big. And it completely changed my life. It's probably one of the top three books that's changed my life the most. And about a year, six months into counseling, he said, you should be a therapist. And I said, uh, I can't stand listening to myself, much less listening to a bunch of people going, I'm depressed, I'm anxious, I get a bad marriage, I came from a dysfunctional family. Everybody came from a dysfunctional family. Is that how we family. all sound in therapy? Mostly. <laughs> uh, that's how you sound in our heads. That's not how you sound outside, but we translate it to, really, a dysfunctional family? So unusual. Uh, and... Um, so uh, he suggested one day I should be a therapist. And I was running a company. I was very successful. And so I went back to grad school and did an internship. And uh, next thing I knew, I um, was running a division of a hospital and had a private practice. And then that hospital went through a merger. And as a result of that merger, um, <clears throat> they hire, asked me to be on the transition team and to do a few seminars. And so I did a few seminars. And a lady came up to me and said, she ran a PR firm in Los Angeles, and she said, you, you could do this for a living. And I said, do what? And she said, you could talk for a living. I'm like, you can talk and make money? Are you serious? Because Mrs. Allard, my first grade teacher, said, Mike, if you don't learn to stop talking, you're never going to amount to anything, which turns out was true. So I uh, now realize that that was all very fortuitous, but it always makes me nervous when a person says you should do this because my career seems to change at any suggestion, but that's how it all started. And that was 20 years ago. And we've been very fortunate to, to uh, be able to combine business and psychology for that time. So, and you say, you know, your business can change pretty quickly all the time. I think that speaks volumes of how you tend to do business. Uh, Mike, 
is not admittedly a bit of a serial entrepreneur. Mm. <laughs> not admittedly. Yeah, not admittedly. <laughs> right. Um, so you've always got your hands in the next the next project. So tell us a little bit about what you're working on right now. Yeah. So, you know, I'm always trying to, and this is really what I do with customers and clients and all of that, is how do we do things not just... Um, better, but how do we do it differently? And largely in, in my business, a lot of how I make a living is by the amount of time I spend doing what I do. It's my craft, it's my art, it's not unlike acting or anything else. And so one day I was coming down the hill and um, uh, in my car and somebody called me and asked me a quick question and said, we should have a bat phone to you. Like just hit the, some of you may be too young to remember Batman, but he would hit the button and Batman, well, Alfred would pick up the phone, say he'll be right there and so forth. And the guy said, you should have that. We need that. And I thought, yeah, very funny. And then about five minutes later, I realized driving down the street, Shea Boulevard, Scottsdale, Arizona, I said, that's a really good idea. So we've created a business called gotaminute.com where you can, in an app, hit the logo and hit call my expert and get a question answered in less than 10 minutes by a qualified expert somewhere in the United States. So we're trying to scale what I do organically with folks across a larger And it's a genius solution for a lot of leaders in large companies who are constantly getting interrupted throughout their day by a quick knock on the door, someone saying, got a minute. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting as we start telling the story and and start working through the story, people are telling me that all the time. If I say, so how many times a day does somebody say, hey, do you got a minute? But the bigger question we ask is, how many of those questions should that person be able to find the answer to without your help? And it's over 60% all the time. So we're hoping that this solution will add even more value to leaders and and followers alike. So you're launching this app and you mentioned that you've got experts across the country that are answering these phone calls through it. How do you find those people? How do you nail down the areas of expertise that you want? So this has been, you know, and keep in mind, we're just in the launch phase right now. So it's a work in progress. We're working it out all the time. But as an example, one of the things that we did was we created an advisory group and put together a team of experts to kind of help us figure out what that looks like. So we're going to wade into the water initially um, with mostly around leadership topics and work topics. And then we're going to scale it. We've had so we had a chef come to us and say, (laughs) you know, um, you could do this for cooking. You could yeah. have got a minute for chefs. I know people a few call. people that need got a minute. For uh, cooking. I totally know that's <laughs> so true. And and I, you know Butterball or one of those companies did that at Thanksgiving. You wow. call and say, hey, "I'm having trouble with my turkey. What do I do?" Genius, right? And so and then we had somebody who is a veterinarian mm-hmm. say. I hate being a veterinarian. I would love to stay home and take veterinary calls. That's sort of organically how we're going to scale it. But right now, we need proof of concept, uh, and we think we're very close. We have not told this story to anybody yet who has said, that's a bad idea. Because yeah. um, the cool thing is, is it, it's built on a platform that looks very similar to Uber. Right. And so it connects in the app. It happens in the app. And so everybody we've showed it to has been really excited about it. So we, we certify our coaches mm-hmm. through my process. And then we deploy those coaches and they log on to the app from their side. And then the user uh, just picks up the app and says, call my expert. And they pick the topic they want and it connects them in the app and it lets our experts know exactly what the question, not the question, but the topic's going to be. And mm-hmm. we uh, we guarantee that we will get you an answer in 15 minutes or less. Awesome. It's kind of like poison control 
meets the suicide hotline meets the, right? We're yeah. not doing, this isn't coaching. This is real-time answers to real-time issues that you're facing right now, Yeah. right? So if you wanted to use it, you'd hit the button and you'd call and one of our experts would answer and you go, hey, I'm trying to get this deal closed. This customer seems to be a little bit ambivalent. Uh, I've talked to my colleagues. I'm just curious if the, what you think. And sure. you've got a sales expert. We'll answer that question for you very quickly. What type of topics are you guys looking to offer right off the bat? Yeah, so anything that has to do with worker leadership, um, right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. I begged and pleaded with Kelly to let me be the primary expert, and I was told absolutely not. Uh, and Gotta so have that's people that'll tell you no. Uh, that's right, and most <laughs> do. And so um, we're, things like communication, conflict management, um, relationships, how do I do less? How do I manage my day better? Um all these kinds of things. We actually have a screen that gives them the topics that they can choose from or other, they can choose another one. But mm-hmm. we're going to start with those basic everyday things that I hear about in my in my uh, coaching practice, because those seem to be the ones we're asked the most. Right. And then we'll see. And the coolest thing about the app is there's a back-end database so that an, an employer or a company can go, tell us what questions are coming and tell us what issues you're hearing about so they can develop their own training programs to address those issues. Focus in on it. Yeah, and then we change the topics in real time. Our uh, super admins can change the topics in real time based on what the demand is. But awesome. they can call with anything. Right. Just right. about. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's really fun. Yeah. We think it's going to be very exciting. So when Mike is uh, not coaching one of... 40 to 50 execs during the week when he's not on stage, when he's not writing a book, how do you unplug once a summer? Um, well, I ride a Harley religiously. Um, you know, I was back and forth between Florida and Scottsdale a lot. Now I'm in Scottsdale mostly. So I'm not on the bike in the summer as much as I was in, in Florida, but I spent a lot of time on my Harley ride to Sturgis, South Dakota for the big motorcycle rally every year. And try to take another long trip every year to somewhere cool or fun. Tennessee is an example is a great place to ride. The Smokies are beautiful. And, and uh, so that's what I do largely go very fast on a very loud piece of machinery. You're writing a book a little bit about this, yes. more so about your round the country journey. Yes. I'm writing a book called my summer behind bars. Uh, lessons <laughs> I learned on the seat of a Harley for 42 days. I spent 42 days riding around the country on the perimeter, the entire perimeter of the business of uh, the business of the country uh, for, yeah, for a month and a half. So it was pretty crazy. A lot of fun though. Favorite place outside of the ones you've already mentioned that you drove through? Probably Glacier National Park. Oh, I bet. Yeah. I was in Glacier. Uh, Yellowstone was amazing. Glacier was amazing. The most amazing thing about Glacier, I'd never been there. I'd been to Yellowstone and I came over a rise. And as I came down, uh, I looked to my left and there were two huge elk just standing on the side of the road. And so I pulled over. I have a picture of the elk uh, and it was just sitting there in the, in the, the road was here, but the was up, but the slope was significant, and the elk was standing on the slope. And uh, so I just sat there for a few minutes staring at it, and it looked at me, and it's like, what? And uh, I took a picture. So that was beautiful. The glacier's gorgeous. You know, our federal government does almost nothing right, but they did the national park system right. If you have not been to national parks, do not do anything else until you get in the national park system. It is the most, I don't know how they did it. I, cause everyone you drive into, you're like, this is like from another planet. It's so beautiful. Favorite Sturgis story. Um, the first year I was at Sturgis, we were sitting in, in a, a bar of adult consumption for beverages and, uh, some people call it a bar. And, uh, <laughs> I was sitting there and, 
uh, all of a sudden sirens. I mean, you got to keep in mind now there are hundreds of thousands of bikers in a town of a population of 5,000. So they bring in Rent-A-Cop, and I mean that very respectfully, but I heard sirens everywhere. I'm like, what is going on? And so we go toward the sirens and we come around a corner and in like the old West in this alley were two biker gangs squared off with each other. And then cops surrounding them. So How you do biker gangs ch- square off with each other? Well, just like imagine there. a Wild West scene where there's a gunfi- gunfighter at one end of the street and a gunfighter at the other. And they're like five biker gang guys, Hells Angels or um, whoever they were. And then at the other end as well, and they're facing off with each other and about to draw down and they have knives out. And the cops are surrounding the whole big group. And at first we thought, is this like a thing? You know, like you go to those amusement parks and they have those, fa- and they were like very quickly realized. And within seconds, within seconds, every one of those bikers was laid out on the street handcuffed. Oh my yeah, gosh. It was amazing. Yeah. None, none I, of I'm your still, friends though. I'm still bruised. <laughs> my wrists. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Sorry. Awkward. That was awkward. Uh, yeah. So that was probably my most poignant one. The the best stories about Sturgis are the rides. You know, the Black yeah. Hills of South Dakota are beautiful. I mean, absolutely beautiful. And there's nothing like being on a big, uh, on, a, on a twisty or a big sweeping turn with two or 300 motorcycles all in unison going around the turn, as long yeah. as they all know what they're doing. Yeah, um, fair yeah. enough. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's got to be a lot of teamwork to make sure a great communication that you're all flowing yeah. at the same pace that yeah. you need to be. Yeah, that's an interesting, yeah, I guess it does. But but the thing that's interesting about it, not, not unlike in life, is you got to be in complete control of your motorcycle and aware of the bikes around you so that you don't hit each other. Because, you know, if you think of a big sweeping turn to the left, that means there's a big sweeping turn to the right for oncoming traffic. And so you got to be aware of all that because two or 300 bikes going this way and that way all at the same time is there's a lot going on. How close to each other are you riding at that point? So uh, the bikes that are going all in the same direction, Mm -hmm. I'm probably 10 feet from the bike to my right, but it's to my right. So when you ride, you ride staggered. So it's every other bike is left, right, left, right in the same lane. So I'm probably four bike lengths from the bike in front of me and probably maybe a half a bike length from the bike next to me. Doing about 65 miles an hour, something like that. I learned the hard way um, in California a couple weeks ago that there's no real distance rules there. Right. They just sort of bob and weave through traffic as they please, which is terrifying as a yes, driver of you a know car. Yeah, it's going to be pinball. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, some some people, so, you know, they're different groups. So, yeah. you know, the, the guys riding, the guys and gals riding the speed bikes, the street bikes are um, a little bit wilder yeah. than Harley riders. But yeah. in a big pack, if there's 10 or 15 of us and you know what you're doing, you're pretty safe, but yeah. you're pretty fast. I yeah, mean, definitely. Yeah, out in the wilderness of Wyoming, you can get up and go. Thank you for joining us for the Beyond Speaking podcast. Make sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen. To learn more, go to beyondspeak.com because adding the ING was too expensive. For this episode of the Beyond Speaking podcast, your technical director, producer, and head Steelers fan was Eric Woody. Your creative director and part-time leprechaun was Travis Franklin. Brian Lord, your host, executive producer, and specialist in speaking about himself in the third person. Additional thanks to special consultant and the pride of St. Paul, Lauren D. of Dean Associates. Thank you to the incredible voice talents of the muy profundo Robert Borges. Finally, thanks to the premier founder, Dwayne Ward, CEO Sean Hanks, and CIO Chris Yount, simply because you need to thank powerful people. If you've listened this far, you clearly have have nothing better to do, so why not continue on and listen to the next Beyond Speaking podcast?